me. This is our podcast. I have to stop before the cease and desist. Yeah, no, you already got one. Like, <laughs> I, I think Disney monitors Zencaster for potential misuse. <laughs> this is the one episode where I knew that there will be no cute ending here. It's just going to fade straight to black. <laughs> you can do it the... Uh, you know the uh, the Hishi channel on YouTube, how it should end in? Yeah. They, they, I don't know what they do musically. Like, they take all the themes. I think they just do the Vanilla Ice thing where they just change one note. <laughs> right. But this one goes, din, 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 din. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you haven't figured it out, folks, this week we are doing George Lucas things. We are doing our top five favorite George Lucas things, uh, which basically meant anything George Lucas has done, we could use on the list. Uh, so, uh, Jeremy, how that, uh, that work out for you? Oh, it, it's a mishmash of stuff. Uh, I, 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 the, the list I have today is as varied as the aliens and Moss Eisley cantina. Wow. That is a really nerdy fun reference. And I liked it a lot. We're doing a George Lucas episode. I don't. I, I, that's not nerdy in, in like the, the, the pantheon of things people would, would be able to bring to the table that you and I cannot. I didn't even scratch nerddom. That's true. That, that is, it's aggressively true. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like if I was referencing some weird fan fiction from the late eighties that got published in some bizarre, you know, in Germany only or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the translation is huge, huge in Austria. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's fair. Uh yeah, so I my list is I don't know. So it's I'll be I'll be candid. I was nervous because you are better Star Warsy than me. Like definitely you go deeper than I do in Star Wars. And so that was somewhat nerve-wracking. Uh and then also I I don't know, my list is weird, kind of intentionally. Uh I learned something that I will share later in the episode, which wound up sort of driving a lot of the stuff that I have on the list. And I think that's as far as I want to take it for now. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. My, this is, this, this is, this is a, you know, top five and then some. Whoa. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see how much crossover we have here because I feel like there's a minimum of three things that I – there's two things that I think have to be on both of our lists. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that realistically would be weird if it wasn't. Now, I don't know if you did, but I intentionally tried to not do that. Uh, not because I don't like when we agree on stuff, but just because I wanted to be as obnoxious as I possibly can be because it's fun. Which, which, you know, I had a hunch you might do. I did not. I decided that I wanted my top five to actually represent if I were sitting down with Mr. Lucas and he were to say, tell me five, you know, what are your, your what are your five things that we're, we're, we're here to talk about or, or that you're think if this were like the praise George Lucas event and, and he were like, everybody were to walk up and, and hand, you know, Bequeath a scroll upon his his mantle or whatever. Is that a phrase? I don't even know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm so happy that the word bequeath and mantle have made it into this podcast, and we're still like only three minutes in. I think we're nailing this right now. <laughs> and I'm going to cut off the next segment before you get there. There's just no spreadsheet, buddy. Like I I didn't even bother thinking about how a spreadsheet. So much so that I I shut the Excel down for the week. 
Yeah, I basically just assumed that we would agree that there's no spreadsheet and no Shawshank because like this is just a it's a it's a body of work. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So no spreadsheet, I kind of assumed, but you're making a face at me, which our viewers can't see because this is a not a visual medium. Uh, do you have a Shawshank? I do. I raised my eyebrow pretty pretty strongly there, listeners, uh, to, to give JT the slow down sign. Yeah, I do. I think, can I go straight into it? Or you, you want to just dive in, Shawshank time? Yeah, yeah. I think without clues, without any whatnot, just episode four. Or, or when I was a kid, what we called Star Wars. Right, Star Wars. Not A New Hope, not Episode Something, not Part 4 of originally a 12-chapter saga that, of course, was pro- fully planned from the beginning. But the, the, for lack of a better phrase, the gift of Star Wars upon the cinematic world is something extra special. And I also have it in Shawshank because... Talking through about episode four, I don't feel we really need to do that much, right? Like, hey, everybody, it was groundbreaking. Hey, everybody, it had special effects like we'd never seen before. Like, wow, they nailed the hero's journey. Like, I don't know that there's anything left new to be said about this movie by any human being at all. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I had a feeling... It's funny. I, I had no Shawshank because this is the only one that I think is truly Shawshankable. And I, I kind of thought you might want to talk about it because it's a very different movie for you than it is for me. And so I wasn't sure if you wanted to give it air. But also, I mean, the truth is, is that nobody, there is no Star Wars anything that hasn't been beaten to death. So right. we're going to do a little bit of that today because there's no way out of it. But I will accept that as a Shawshank because I think what I think it's a total your, your reasoning is totally fair. Cool. It is a different movie to me in a lot of ways, but I was actually far too young to appreciate anything I just said about Star Wars. I was four or five. So my theatrical experience, like being in a movie theater was pretty cool. You know what I mean? It's like, I didn't know that there was no special effects before this. And if my parents were sitting there the entire time telling me, I still wouldn't remember that. And I don't, I barely, I remember seeing Jedi in the theaters far more than I remember seeing, um, the first one. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Okay. Uh, so with that being said, Jeremy, I think, I don't think, I know you get to go first this week. Uh, so you get to kick us off, my friend. All right. My first entry is in fact a movie. So we'll start there. That's good. That's just a little clue for the rest of the list. I have a feeling that, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 June 12th, 1981. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it had to be snakes. I said, beware the covenant and snakes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Even though his role in in the Indiana Jones uh, franchise is much, much reduced compared to to Star Wars, I'm pretty confident we wouldn't have had that movie without his inspiration early on. Like, so if I, if I may, we're going to share this pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did I have a really cool piece of trivia about this, about exactly what you're saying. So do you also have that trivia by chance? Uh, no, I, I didn't know. I did. My trivia is in different places this week. So you go. All right. So um, George Lucas always goes on vacation when, he, when a new film comes out. It's like a thing that he does. And it's kind of like a little bit of lore that he does that. So when A New Hope was about to open, Lucas was in Hawaii with Steven Spielberg. 
because he just needs to get away from all of it. And that's his whole sort of deal, right? So they were relaxing and talking about just other stuff. And the story goes uh, that Spielberg said he always wanted to direct a Bond film. And Lucas said he had a better idea. He had a, a movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark. The conversation happened as the two of them were sitting in the sand, building a sandcastle. And then after the trip, they developed a script with Lawrence Kasdan. And that is literally how you got Raiders. And so just like you said, he was instrumental in this happening. Love it. I had heard once before the Lucas wanted to do Bond and that's how we have Indy story. I did not know some of the details in that. Uh, And I think, you know, where Lucas, look, in this era, Lucas is a much more criticized person than he once was. And I think, unfortunately, just basically his directing work on the prequels is why. There's no question, though, that his his creative mojo or whatever those those creative juices it takes to create stories is like none other. You know, the only, I, I'm going to say the most contemporary storyteller I can think of is probably Chris Nolan. Yeah. Like who's, if you think about like go from 77 to whatever, 2007, just take that, that period of time, you know, um, Spielberg made far better movies in that time frame, right? Spielberg crushed those 30 years with the movies he made. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't, he didn't write most of them. Nope. You know, Lucas created this, this amazing body of work. So anyhow, Indiana Jones, what did that do for filmmaking, right? It, it took, what, what did we have before? We had like Treasure of the Sierra Madre. We had Westerns. You know, we had... Goofy movies like uh, Alan Quartermain and the, the City of Gold and those kind of things. We had a lot of goofy adventure heroes. But Indy sort of grew it all up for us. Indy was like the, the, the adventurer that was multifaceted, right? He had weaknesses. He, 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 had, you know, he, was, he was cocky at times and then he wasn't. And he, he got the girls and then he didn't. And like, Indy's a great character, an absolutely great character. Yeah, I completely agree. So the reason that I have this on the on the list, aside from the fact that literally I wrote why it's on the list, because I mean, it's Indiana Jones and Raiders. It's Raiders. Now, the real reason is I agree with you. I think the derivative work that comes off of this is actually often not acknowledged because I think you said it basically perfectly, right? Like they humanized this guy in a way that no other kind of movies did before because you either went superhero or you went idiot, right? So you either had like a right. full fool right? Like almost like Mr. Bean-esque or just like kind of like clumsily running along. Or you had somebody who like was just defying the odds at all turns. The the suspense built in Raiders is because I, you're not convinced he's going to work. <laughs> like at no point are you like, he's definitely got it. You're like, he might not got it. And that's, I think, part of what like this infused that into film and like fallibility into character development in adventure movies. And I think you see that in like all the buddy cop movies that came after it. I think you see it in some of like the comic books that were developed after this. Like there's a lot of this that sort of permeated elsewhere that just wasn't happening before this movie. I think this movie is really important aside from being aggressively watchable at all times. Yeah. I think, I think you could argue that this, this is the archetype for the imperfect action hero. Yes. Right. Where before you, you had the perfect, like James Bond, prior to indie was your sort of perfect action hero 
Didn't matter. He took a licking, kept on ticking. Didn't really matter what happened to him. Right. He's back up and in action the next day. Indy, you know, was slowed down, was hurt, was struggling, was suffering, like went through some stuff that I would say, you know, Indy gave, Indy gave us Die Hard. Yeah. Right? Because Die Hard could have been the Stallone, Schwarzenegger style or The Rock or, or a Chris Hemsworth style. But it wasn't. It's Bruce Willis, and then yeah. that gave us Matrix, right? Yeah. Like you see that you see that path all the way to probably you'd have John Wick as the interesting took it into a different place, right? Right. Yeah. The the thing with Wick is a little more Bondy for me because the one thing with Bond movies that I've never liked, although I, I do love the franchise, obviously, and all of its iterations, even the Pierce Brosnan stuff to some extent. Um, but like, you never go into a Bond movie thinking he dies. Like it, it was never on the table. Right, 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 right. I mean, you're, you're not going to assume that John Wick's going to die in any John Wick movies. They'll just stop making them. Right. But like the thing is like, this is a weird comp and I don't know why it's happening, but I think it's because you mentioned the name earlier before we started recording. But like, I'm thinking of like Riggs and Murtaugh who were both like aggressively mm. flawed individuals with strengths and weaknesses. But like it, the first one, before you knew it was a franchise, if you're just watching the first one, you're not like, this is going to end perfectly well. There was a chance where it's like, one of these idiots might die. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's based on the stuff that happened in, in, in Raiders. It's just such a good movie. It's such a good movie. The re, the re, agreed. And I find Wake is sort of the interesting culmination point because to me, the James Bond arc goes James Bond into basically Schwarzenegger dies out through most of the 90s and is revived in the 2000s with the Fast and Furious franchise, right? Like, and maybe Triple X had a shot at it, but didn't quite come together the right way, right? Like, right. where those are all of the ridiculous level of ridiculous, ridiculous. John Wick, they're not going to kill him in a movie, but you're not fully convinced. Like, like stuff could go down, you know? Yeah, I think John Wick, that, that's fair. John Wick is definitely something will go wrong. And, and it's not something go wrong like I've spilled my martini. Like something, somebody he likes could die. A buddy could get it. Like, you know, he could lose a limb. Like, like something weird could happen in Wick. Whereas, right, basically against all odds, like Dom, Dominic Toretto is walking away the winner and there's no questions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Although John, John Wick 5, Mortadello, well, you know. <laughs> That, that's what they're calling it, right? <laughs> that's a fun joke. Uh, all right, so we're sharing this pick, which means you get to go again. I go again. Okay. May 1st, 1982. Okay. I will give you five words as my clue. They may or may not help you get the thing. But the five okay. words, it's not too hard, but you either might not know it at all. So the five words are maniac, Zach, Monkey, loom, tentacle. Uh. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest. Not, this isn't ringing a bell at all. So what I'm, what my five words referenced were in order: Maniac Mansion, Zach McCracken, Secret of Monkey Island, Loom, and Day of the T Tentacle. The five top-rated and all of which beloved to me video games from LucasArts. Ah, yeah. This is completely lost on me. So it turns out back in 1982, 
actually they, they were they did sort of started in 79 that Lucas realized that to be a multimedia company in the 80s not the 2020s but in the 80s one must have more than just a movie by this by 79 by 82 they had already he had already given up the rights to the Star Wars video game um, platform which they eventually regained so the uh, I think it was originally called the Lucasfilm Lucasfilm Games. It was originally the Lucasfilm Computer Division, mm-hmm. which then became Lucasfilm Games, which then eventually became LucasArts. They built this. They built their own uh, engines, just like we have Unity and Unreal today. They sure. had an engine that was called Scum, S C U M M. And these games that I just referenced, of which I think four of the five were built on that platform were amazing, amazing old school video games that took RPG elements and sort of platformer and sort of third person in a way and just create, and and then bizarro land writing. So this is the era of like Leisure Suit Larry and, and King's Quest and those kind of games, which had all followed sort of a similar formula. And then out of nowhere, the LucasArts division starts pumping out these games that basically take the genre. It's sort of like what Deadpool did to superhero movies, just like uh, breaks the fourth wall, tongue in cheek humor, um, total irreverence. Some parts of the video games themselves just didn't make sense, but not in a way that made them unplayable. Just you're like, I don't follow your logic game designer, but I'm just going to have fun with it anyway. Fair enough. The games were so popular JT that they brought them all back onto steam and other platforms today. So you can go download all of these and play them today. They remastered a couple of them. They did eventually regain the Star Wars franchise in, uh, I want to say the early 2000s. Maybe it was 99. It was right around right around then. Yeah. And they re-secured the rights to them and started making movies, that uh, <laughs> video games that people really loved and respected. By this time, I, I didn't play like Knights of the Old Republic and some of the games that are beloved. But again, we would not have LucasArts without, you know, it would just be arts. Right. <laughs> uh, so when Lucasfilm was required, they Disney did shut down LucasArts and merged into the rest of their game stuff. Unfortunately, gave the rights to all the Star Wars stuff to EA, which mm. actually, I mean, like there's some ups and down there. Some of the games are great. There's obviously a lot of controversy, but I loved LucasArts games. I played all of these. I beat all of these games, which, you know, there's you're, you're writing maps on paper in this era. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a really fun pick, and I'm excited that you did it because in going through the catalog of things I could pick, um, I I I only played like I don't think I got in like the Star Wars stuff didn't exist for me until like if I had to go platform, I think probably PS2. Like I don't think <laughs> I played anything prior to that. Like now I had you know Super Nintendo and all that stuff, but like I didn't have Star Wars games for it. Um, Did you ever play in the arcades as a kid, maybe the Vector graphics Star yes. Wars game? That, that game I have played many, many a time. Okay. Yeah. That's that, None of that's, by the way, LucasArts. That's that's all. I think some of it was Atari had the rights for a while. So Yeah, I'm feeling like it was Atari. I remember seeing, I feel like I can see the Atari logo on the actual machine in my brain. Uh, but I, I'm excited that this was there because I know, like, dude, he has so many credits for writing and all this weird stuff. And it was like a lot of video game stuff. And I'm like, oh man, there's an entire element of his existence that is not real to me. So I'm glad that it got called out because I'm sure 
if we had missed it collectively, somebody would have been like, hey. <laughs> Whereas anybody my age and older who's listening is like, Zach McCracken. Actually, I think people are generally more fans of Maniac Mansion. I think that was the more popular one. I, uh, I love them both. That's if great. you can find them and have, you know, way too many hours free, because I'm pretty sure you can play them for free online now. They were, it shows you how hard games were back then in a very different kind of way. Now they're hard because the controls uh, let you, and you can do so much and there's like infinite exploration. Then they were hard because game designers were just jerks. And <laughs> that's 80s video game designers. And you know what I'm talking about. It, they just made every game mean. It was, you had like zero to three lives. Yeah. You couldn't save. Correct. Just, you're just dead. Sorry. Start over. Yeah, but it's because they were so limited in what they could allow you to do that they wanted you to master it. I actually am all for it. I use I prefer less controls, harder actual gameplay than what is now, which is like you need to be like I don't know, I don't know. I watch some of these kids now and I'm just what what what? what? I'd break every controller and smash every TV in the room. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm I'm so glad that the original Atari joystick controller was pretty sturdy because <laughs> eight-year-old me beat that thing to a pulp. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, all right, so that means it's on me. So let's see. How do I want to do this? I'm going to go with some obvious stuff first. Um, this one I think is going to be fun. So I'm going to start with this one. So June 20th, 1980. It's an 82. This is uh, Empire. Right. My five words okay. were... Hoth does protest too much. I was just proud of that. It made me laugh. <laughs> I had ice to swap to clouds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so here's why. Of the three originals, right, I love Return because it's, I think it's the pay, it's the payoff. Like Return is just such a, such a fun movie if you like the other two. But arguably, I think Empire's the best actual done movie. And the main reason, in my opinion, is two big things, okay? And it's Irvin Kirshner and Peter Shashevsky, which was the cinematographer and the director. And I think if you look at this movie and compared to the other two, it is a better composed film visually. I think it's it's a little bit, I don't know if it's tighter. There's loose stuff in all three of them, but who cares? That's kind of like, we just agree that we don't care. And I just think Empire is like, as a standalone, like, you know, st the original Star Wars is the best probably just because of all the introduction. Like, it just sort of like it flies through. Uh, Return is the payoff and it's it's the most fun because of the other two. I think Empire is probably the best done. I agree. There's no argument here. I think Empire, okay. I think Empire is a far better movie in every way. I think the original is probably the, the best single for lack of a better phrase, like plot line, yeah, that you're that you're almost ever going to get. It is so perfectly done from from start to finish, and the dialogue is good and all that. But there's something about what we call Episode Five at the time was the the sequel to Star right. Wars. It was marketed as the sequel. Uh, Empire is Empire. Empire sort of straddles film land is the way I would say it. Like, yeah, Star Wars is a movie. Jedi is a movie. Empire really deals with heavier topics like the reveal. Now, JT, actually, that, that's a question for you. At your age, when you first saw Star Wars stuff, did you did you go into it knowing Vader 
sorry, spoiler about there was a relationship <laughs> between Darth Vader and one of the other characters. If you don't want to hear it, maybe go watch Empire Strikes Back. Anyhow, <laughs> no. did you know? No. So it was kept from me with intention. And so the people who introduced this to me made me watch it in order. And I watched it like over a period of like a weekend and a buddy's, uh, an older brother's, an older brother made us watch it. We didn't know any of it and did the whole, it was a whole thing that like I remember. Uh, and so, no, it was literally all a surprise to me. I have since obviously seen them lots and lots of times, which is how I formed this. Cause in the beginning, I just, you know, I just love the first one because the world making in the first one was mind boggling even to like, I think I was like seven. Um, right. But like now, looking back, again, uh, you know, look, Lucas directed the first one, and you can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's a genius creator. Right. That doesn't make him the best movie director. He's probably a far better director than I'd ever be. Uh, I'm not. It's like we're still in the major leagues here, right? Like if, if you're the worst player on the worst team in the major leagues, you are still a pro player of that. You are still better than all the rest of the people. Yeah, the thing is, is like, listen, nobody could have directed the first one other than him because no one had, like, he had to get the vision into existence. And so that's a lot of work. And so yeah. for that, it makes sense to me. But turning it over to Kirshner in the second one, it paid huge dividends because the second one looks like a movie. <laughs> like, right. and I know that's crazy because, like, whatever, I'm being a little bit, like, nerdy and, I don't know, just arrogant, but, like, the second one felt like big budget. Oh my God, this is like a really, really well put together. Visually, absolutely stunning. Like just better. It was just a better done production of what is still an amazing story. So that's not to take away from Lucas obviously creating what is the most iconic world I think ever, right? Like he just made this up and we just did right. we all We all are just like, yeah, Star Wars is real. Like everybody's cool with that. Like that's incredible. But I think – you know, top five things that Lucas has done was hand the keys over to somebody else to execute. And it, it paid really, really well. And then I think you see what happens when he doesn't do that later on. Right. Uh, and I don't know if it's on your list. I'm ac I actually, if I were making my top five Star Wars movies, just as a pre-spoiler, uh, Return of the Jedi does not make my top five. Um, I don't consider it. The more I watch it, the the less love I have for it. I start. I start. I love parts about it. Like if I'm going to watch, if I'm going to watch Jedi under my control, I'll basically I'll watch the first entire hour, which is getting out of Jabba's all the way to Jabba's skiff. Yep. Um, which ends with the the lamest moment in Star Wars, in my opinion, which is Boba Fett getting killed by a blind guy. You know, like it just a uh, blind hand Solo should not have taken down Boba Fett. Right. At all. Right. Um, <laughs> from there, I think I could fast forward all the way to the, I mean, some of the Ewok fighting the Stormtrooper stuff's really cool. And the, and actually the speeder race with Le, uh, Luke and Leah and the, and the guards. But then I go all the way to basically the throw, the, the throne room, the captains, whatever that the emperor's, yeah. you know, cubby room. <laughs> room. <laughs> His his barracks, <laughs> um, in uh, in in six because a lot it, it just it the story kind of drags you know it's I gotta say there's a good forty minute chunk right after the skiff sequence where you're like all right now now it's like oh no it doesn't oh but now they no no they don't do it oh we're we got a forest fire huh okay yeah I uh, again not to ruin not not to spoil my list returns not on here um, return is to me. 
is probably three of the best moments of the first three and then a lot of wasted space. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a lot of like sort of like I can't think of the words. You 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 have a fun saying for it, but like just payoff. Like it's fan stuff. Like they're just giving fan service. Them, thank you, fan yeah. service. That's what I couldn't think of. Like there's good like the three fan service moments in in return are wah, they're perfect. Right. Uh, but everything else around it, basically, you, that movie could probably be about 48 minutes. And I'd be like, cool, we nailed it. <laughs> yep. All right, this leads me to... Oh, now I have to change this order just for a second. Okay. We'll go with... <laughs> I've got to give three different ears for this single entry. So I'm not implying three different movies. I'm talking about one thing. Okay. Those years are 1979. Okay. 19. 19- 1983. Okay. And 1986. 79, 83, 86. 79, 83, 80. I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. We'll get there. We got time. The five words for you. Yeah. This will either work or not. Finding incredible monster toy cars. Finding incredible monster toy cars. Um, nope. That, that's how much delivery matters. If I'll, I'll just do this one more time. Finding mm-hmm. incredible monster toy cars. I mean, now I feel dumb. But I still don't know. What you're you're going to feel dumber in a half a second. I'm, I'm not not because I'm trying to make you. I'm actually trying to get you to get it. Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Monsters Inc., Toy Story, and Cars. The first five output from Pixar, a division of Lucasfilm Incorporated. So I am not feeling dumb. This is very clever. And Pixar as a thing that he created was not on my list of things to consider. And so it was so outside of, so out, out of bounds that I'm trying to think through stuff. This is a very, 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 very clever pick. And I'm pretty sad that I didn't think to do this. Go on. <laughs> so the three years are in 79, he started the computer division. In 83, they uh, became formally a computer animation division and Lasseter got involved. And then in 86, uh, it was when Steve Jobs turned them into Pixar Inc. Mm. So depends on how you look at those foundational things. Uh, their first actual work that made it into a movie was uh, in Star Trek Two, the Genesis sequence. Uh, are you familiar with Star Trek Two? No. Have you never seen Star Trek Two? I know we're talking Star Wars land here, but. The only Star Trek I've ever seen is Abrams. I never saw any of the old. I saw like some of the TV stuff, but I never saw any of those movies. I'm just wow, because Star Trek Two is is undeniably a, one of the strongest sci-fi film, films of all time. I did the, listen to, to Lucas's credit. I just drew. I was a hard line in the sand that I made when I was a little little kid, and I was like, I like Star Wars, which means I cannot like Star Trek. The only Star Trek thing I ever had is Super Nintendo had a really really dope <laughs> game where you could like you could drive the DC whatever the NC one five seven whatever that thing is, uh, and it was like a lot of fun. But seventeen oh five does that is that right? 
I don't know if I should just pretend not to know for your sake, for my audience's sake, for my own nerdiness. People know you know. What is it? NC-1705, is that right? 1701. Okay, listen. As someone who does not watch Star Trek, I'm pretty happy with being close, and I appreciate it. And, and there's two Cs. There's two Cs. Oh, okay. All those movies, man, <laughs> like totally just escaped me. I just didn't see them. All right. Well, going all the way back to it, in Star Trek II, there's a sequence where they show a a machine that is like a terraforming machine and the graphic effects that follows is a CGI sequence and basically the first sequence in a movie, but it's sort of standalone. So it's like a cutscene in a video game. It just sort of, this thing happens. The first real um, Pixar ish stuff is the way I would look at it was what we talked about a few weeks back. The, the stained glass warrior from young Sherlock Holmes. Yep. And then they went on to do some short films, and then that eventually led them to Toy Story, and the rest is the history that we know. But again, give give a shout out to our boy Lucas for just having the vision back in 1979, where to to be fair, to be fair, computers didn't do color right, like at all. They got their four colors on in the next couple of years. But even at that time, had enough awareness and vision to say, we need to do computer graphics for stuff. Yeah, listen, I mean, it, this is a brilliant pick. It's very, very clever. I'm sad I didn't think of it. Uh, and it would take, like, that tracks, right? Because, like, this is a guy with a ridiculous imagination. And so his imagination was already going to what computers would be able to do some some odd, you know, some 20-odd years later. And he was right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, any sticklers, I did have this in my notes. Technically, you could make the argument it's all the way back to 1974 because that's when one of the programmers started doing some of the stuff. But I think, you know, it's a little... I mean, it's it's a Star Wars really topic. Therefore, someone has a very strong opinion on it. Right. Uh, so, yes, yeah, 74, 79, 1983, and 1986. Pick one, Pixar, George Lucas. That's, what you got next, JT? That's brilliant. Not that. Man, I would have anchored with that. That one's so good. Uh, let's stay. Let's do this. Let's go November 12th, 2019. Mando. The yeah. good, the bad. I got the good, bad, and baby. I put this is the way, George. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I just think that the Mandalorian is like. Mandalorian is what I want out of Star Wars now, right? It is like it, there are so many lovely little nods to the history of it. And like there's all these fun little Easter eggs, but it stays in its own lane. It kind of is its own story. It doesn't require you to know a ton of things. It's not super inside baseball. It's really, really fun and well acted. Um, the entire Boba Fett thing is so freaking cool. It's just like, I just, I really love the show. Like, it's a good amount of camp. It still has that kind of what we were talking about earlier with um, with Indy. Like, there's this fun, you're, you don't know if it's going to go well, and there's some good guys that are bad guys and bad guys that might be good guys. And it's just really like, there's just not, there's not an episode I didn't like. It, it drags a little bit in places, but there's a lot of episodes and I get it. But again, this is like where I think he's at his best, right? Like write really, really cool stuff. Let really smart people like Favreau and, you know, Taika direct it. 
And it's right. just, it's so much fun. Like every episode is so much fun because of that. And it's him at his absolute best, just growing the world. And while nodding to all these little fun things in, in the universe, I just think it's such a good time, man. I fully agree as much as we'll talk a bit, obviously about the sequel trilogy at some point today. Uh, but <laughs> there's, there's no debate that the, if we can be thankful for the original trilogy for just all of it. And then the prequel trilogy contributed. Uh, we'll see where you are on this shortly. I'm sure um, I'm, I'm pretty negative on it, but it still contributed to the kind of breadth of the star Wars universe Mostly for good. There is some bad in it, but most of it really builds. And then it's Mando, right? And like taking it and saying regular people do regular things in this in this universe. You know, yep. there's the the thing I also really like about Mandalorian. It's the first point in all of Star Wars, and this is a beef I have. If if I had like the top five things that I have beefs with in the Star Wars world, the number one thing is the following. No matter where you go until Mandalorian, whenever there is a moment that there are creatures from multiple uh, planets, there's only one of them at any given place, other than the Galactic Senate in the prequel trilogy. If you go to Mos Eisley, if you go to the the the, the new trilogy with uh, what was her name, Mas Kanata, I think the, so. the other, you know, Mos Eisley 2.0. <laughs> <Yeah, right>. um, <laughs> there's only one of any alien ever. Right, even on uh, even on Tatooine in Jabba's palace, you got the weird lip creature that sings. By the way, I can't even possibly imagine how that creature evolved. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so it's like either the Star Wars universe is so big that at no point is there ever even like there's so many different species that that when you have twenty people, they're all twenty different species. But I challenge you, like that's like going to a random airport somewhere on Earth. And only seeing one person from from Africa or or three different countries in Africa, three different countries in Asia, three different countries in Europe, you know, you you never see, you never go to the lounge, and like everybody's got a different flag on per se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's a, it's something that has definitely struck me before, and that's that's absolutely true. And yeah, Mando solves that. It also solves the you you actually have the thing that bothers me more, which is like people just existing. Like the, the thing that Mando, I really like about it is that there are moments in Mando where people are just doing people stuff, right? And I understand right. that they're like jamming a lot of like story into all of these movies, but like, I like that there's just like guys, like again, other than the bar scenes, like there are moments, but they're very forced versus like people coming out of their house in Mando being like, what's happening right now? Like I kind of like, I just like that. It, it, it makes it more approachable. And the biggest thing for me, really was that you can walk into it cold and minus catching some jokes that are more fun if you do know it, it stands alone. Right, right. It does, yeah, Mando's the perfect job of fan service. It's going to make, if, if you are a Star Wars fan, it's going to just deliver and make you happy and have just enough references and throwbacks to just make you feel all the good feels. Yep. And not too many, like, like, this is to me where 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 the movies went wrong. Is like I don't need R two D two in every single movie. Yep. It was okay not having him in all of them. Yeah, right. And Mando proves that. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So Mandalorian, good pick, buddy. Thanks. Then I'll stay similar time frame. I'll go to December eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Okay. Still blowing up big spheres. Uh, I wrote Scavenger Finds Holy Grail. 
Nice, nice. So this is episode seven, The Force Awakens. People really are polarized on the new trilogy. I think this movie was great. I think this movie did its job exceptionally well in that I think it had one job, which is, hey, everybody not born in the last century, we're going to give you your very own Star Wars movie to enjoy. And it doesn't matter how older you are. If you were born in 2001, you got this as a mid-teenager. And if you're born in like 2010, you're a kid, right? Whatever, whatever age range you are, this is your Star Wars franchise. Where it goes after here, I definitely have a lot of issues with. But this movie holds up in so many ways. It is so much fun to rewatch. Uh, yeah, it is derivative. There's, there's no one, no one anywhere is going to be like, no, no. It's again the Vanilla Ice thing. No, no, it's a totally original story. It's not. It's most of the first trilogy mashed up into one movie and remade for you. Mm. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm. You know, at the time, especially again, this is where I find I'm disappointed with where the franchise went because. Finn, Ray, and and Kyle, Ray, and I mean, Snoke, all of them are fundamentally undeveloped characters, which is a bummer. But this one had all of the old and the, the new, it, it threw away some some good stuff, like all of the, the, you know, the cast of the movie, The Raid, are the kanji boys in uh, in that one sequence. Yeah, yeah. Like, they that was an, un, it was cool to give them the nod, but you should have given them some screen time and let them do some of their stuff because that's a talented cast. And just also to even notice that movie, which is a great little movie. Yeah. So I have one beef with this movie and one alone, which is everything about Han Solo's um, spoiler. Uh, everything about Han Solo dying was just, it was too much for me. I got to say, like, I straight up cried as did my son who I was watching it with. Like it was, it delivered, it was, it was right. Okay. I'm not criticizing for that. I just don't want to see it. Yeah. That's fair. You know? Totally. Just so I've rewatched this. I've rewatched um, force awakens to that point, probably five or six times. Yeah. So we're going to share this. Oh yeah. No, I figured. Yeah, I can't. So this one I can't take off the list. And the reason I think for all the reasons you said, listen, I, I get that some people were polarized by this. I'm not. Uh, I was hyped, man. Like when this movie came out, I was so excited that they were doing it. I adore everything that J.J. Abrams touches. I think he is deliberate. I think he's thoughtful. I think he gets it. He understands the gravity of these things. Like he turned this down for a long time and had always said he would never do this because he straight up was like, I don't want to deal with the magnitude and cultural significance of this project. Like I'm good. And I think he delivered. And I think if you remove, if you forget the middle, right? If you just think about the original three and then this one and forget the middle three, uh, I think this movie delivers on everything that I needed it to. And I don't have, I'm not sad about any of it. I thought the cast was great. There's a bunch of really fun. What ifs about this, by the way, like, have you ever seen the what ifs in this? No. So Fassbender was going to go. It was considered for Adam driver for Kylo Ren. I could see that. I actually could see that. I could actually see that. I want to give you, Three people for Ray, and you tell me which one you think would have been the best of the three. Elizabeth Olsen, J-Law, or Shailene Woodley? Either Daisy Ridley or Shailene. Um, I don't... 
Jayla, I think because of what you said about her when we were talking about Thomas and McKenzie and Hunger Games, she's too strong already. Right. Daisy Ridley's good was good, and I think Shailene Woodley is similar in that they have strength, but they also display a certain amount of, I don't know, frailty or weakness at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, um, yeah, it's it's the idea that they come into their strength, which is you look at J-Law and you're like, no, she's, she's found it already. Elizabeth Olsen, funny enough, actually refused the audition because she was already going to be doing Scarlet Witch, which is pretty funny because she could have done both. Uh, and then the last one is, you know, Joe Legerton? Yeah. Yeah, so um, he was considered for the role of Poe, even though he had technically already been it in the prequels. <laughs> he, had, he would have been Lars's uncle, but he was actually like, they considered him to bring him back anyway and just be like, forget it, we don't care. You should just come back because we like you. Which wow. Now, I, I wish they did that because it almost would have been like an admission, right? It would have been like, forget those other three movies. <laughs> like it would have been them just saying, ah, don't worry about it. But yeah, I actually... So to be clear, of everything that they've released since this movie, I don't actually think this is my favorite one of everything that they've released. Um, I think there's one other one that I like more. But as far as like the body of work and what it meant, this one is the one that's in my top five. Fair enough. There you go. So this is my last pick, right? I think I guess so. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's one, two, three, four. Yeah, okay. So... No, <laughs> I I have I, I would I I will be so bizarrely excited if you get this by this date because I don't believe you will but you know never know November seventeenth nineteen ninety eight no I'm not gonna get it by the date okay the only thing I've got is five words and those okay. five words are every generation has a legend every generation has a legend what year is this. 1998. 1998. I don't think I have any idea what you're talking about right now, but I really want to get the legend thing right because it feels like a really good clue. The the whole quote, the whole phrase is a is is a is a clue, okay. and all I'll just say is just think about that time time November seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. I don't know. On that date was released to the world the preview for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And that preview drop was such a big deal for everybody. Because uh, at this point, you had no idea what the movie was going to be about. They had been rumoring it up. This was kind of the beginning of the internet, you know, being the halcyon place for us to follow movies. Sure. Uh there were two trailers dropped. One was in theaters only. And you had to go see, I had the list uh, up a second ago, the, the movies you had to go see to, uh, to, to be able to get to it were, here we go. Um, so this was 98. The three movies you could see were, oh, I'm sorry. I just lost my notes. Yeah, here we go. The Waterboy, Sandler. Okay. Meet Joe Black with the drama with Brad Pitt. And Bruce Willis's The Siege. Oh, wow. Which, which is an okay movie, actually. Not good, but it was, you know, it was the first uh, terrorist in New York movie, which was kind of interesting. So you had to go to one of these three movies to see episode one's preview, and people did. I'm right? sure. It was a known thing. People were going in and just showing up for the last five minutes of the movie. I'm sorry, for the first five minutes of the movie, watch the trailer and leave. That's hilarious. And then 
a few, I don't know, it was days, I think about a week later, they sent the second trailer out, and this one went online only. This is what made QuickTime. So they released it exclusively in QuickTime format. Really? Which caused QuickTime to be the most downloaded application on Windows at all, ever. Broke all sorts of server. I mean, like all the stuff that like we now take for granted just didn't work at all. And the 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 buzz about this at the time was so big. And the trailers were good. And the point on every generation has a legend. That's the that's the five words that appear right after the Lucasfilm logo fades out. No. So this to me was such a moment that that was created, even though I actually really dislike Phantom Menace. The preview of it was so big and still I take joy in thinking back to that moment. And I still picture the like trying to download it and it like failing to download and, then you <laughs> like, and it's buffering and you're getting like a pixel at a time. And you're like, I'm not going to wait for this to finish buffering before I start watching it. But then that's a mistake because you don't get anywhere. Right. And it opens on these green hills and the tank things come over the hills. Ah, such a big moment. Uh, what a cool nostalgic pick. This never, ever, ever would have dawned on me. Um, I kind of vaguely remember this being a thing. Um, <laughs> well, you're in like high school. I was 13. Yeah. Like I remember, listen, I remember when the trailers dropped. I don't remember the fanfare around it. Um, right. Like at all. I don't even know if I had a computer at that point. Um, so like I, like some of that is lost on me. And also remember like, you know, Star Wars, was the thing, but not like the thing for me. So yeah, this, but you know what? This is a ton of fun. It's very, very smart. I did not know the quick time thing. I'm learning a lot today, which is fun. I always love that. Uh, yeah, this is great, man. This is a really fun pick. I didn't see it coming. Cool. What you got next? Okay. This is my favorite one. <laughs> this is so stupid. This is People are going to get so mad and I don't care. Uh, December 11th, 1991. With a 52 on Metacritic. 1991. Uh, there was a thing I had in a similar time phrase, but it's not 91 for sure. And what else did Lucas do in this time? There's some other movie. I think this is going to bug me. Because <laughs> I had been reading a bunch of stuff. All right. What is it? Uh, oh, do, do you have five me, words? I've got five words. Do you want me to give you some some actors? I can do the whole thing. Oh, it, it is a movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I want the whole thing, buddy. Uh, let's give you Maggie Smith and Bob Hoskins. Maggie's. <laughs> is this Hook? <laughs> yeah, sure is. Was the, I thought Hook was all Spielberg. I don't think I realized it was Lucas, too. Oh, no. George Lucas is an uncredited man kissing on a bridge as an actor, and that is his only role in Hook. Oh, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's why I picked Hook. So... Because the kissing was really convenient? It was... uh, Convincing? It was an amazing scene for him, let me tell you. No, so genuinely the reason I picked this, and this is kind of a joke, uh, I do love Hook, to be clear, and I think 52 is is too low. I think it's a lot of fun. My five words were transported to magical place because I thought that would play well in the George Lucas world as to not give it away, but also it's accurate to describe the movie. Um, It was either that or small woman attempts murder. Uh, So... 
It's on the list because I went through all the Lucas stuff. He's got 177 writing credits, 21 directing credits, 69 production credits, 18 act- or editing credits. Um, a lot of them are sort of just more in the realm of using Star Wars characters. So sifting through the list was like a real challenge. But what I realized is that what is a theme we've kind of talked on. I love him as a writer. I think he's one of the, he's a generational writer. And everything else that he does, I actually don't like that much. And so this was kind of my pithy way of saying, you know what? Like, you are an unbelievable, potentially once-in-a-lifetime-ish talent at a thing that has done lots of other things. And I don't think you're great at the other things. And your writing is so good, it deserves people who are. And where the the entire Phantom Middle series falls short for me is there was no one checking the checker. A good director, a good cinematographer, other people around his creative genius could have reined that in and made it so much better. And instead of it being important to the series in the sense that it set up things that happened in the future, but nobody really wants to talk about those three movies as those movies... I think it really sort of lends itself better to like, it would have just been so much better if he just wrote it and then let other people do it. And so I'm picking hook because I kind of want him to stay in his lane. And if he ever listens, I feel like I'm the person who will get through to George Lucas for sure. (laughs) So to make sure I get it, you've used your fifth pick to teach George Lucas a lesson. Jeremy, if we're not here to make the world better, what are we here for? Hey, I'm supportive of it. I just want to like fully channel that that's what that's what's happened right here today. Yeah, listen, everybody. I got to learn about Pixar. I got to learn about some some cool video games. You got to learn that George Lucas wasn't Hook, and he's learning that he should probably just stick to writing. I feel like this or, is a very productive podcast. <laughs> or kissing on bridges. Or he is a amazing bridge kisser. Fair enough. Well, though we have used many of the same things, I still have enough to get through some Pong. Yeah, I actually, uh, nobody, we have not touched, uh, three of my Pong have been untouched. I have three as well. Perfect. Uh, And then I actually even have like some other stuff that I can always smatter in there. Should we, should we feel like, because there's a couple of things worth addressing, but we'll, all right. So August 11th, 1973. Okay. Metacritic score of 97, Ron Tomatoes of 96. So consistently con- top top of the food, ch- food chain list. Sure. Good movies. Good movie. That's all I'm saying. Right. I, I mean, I think I probably know what this is. You should. It's uh, So my five words are driving and hearing Wolfman Jack. Oh, now that confused me. But 83 would be return, isn't it? This is 73. 73, you said. Oh, seven, oh, this has got to be American Graffiti. It is, yeah. Yeah, okay, 73. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, American Graffiti, yeah. So uh, oddly enough, I've never seen that movie all the way through in one sitting. I've seen it piecemealed. And so it's not something that I'm like super, super well-versed in, but all the same. Uh, all right, mine, this first one's an easy one. This is a shout out to my sister. Love you, Lacey. July 23rd, 1988 with a 47%. Little Person Quests with King. <laughs> Oh, uh, Star Wars, but with magic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I, it's that's so funny because I was I actually was going to put 
Lord of the Rings, but first, just to annoy you, uh, but I didn't. So I just said Little Person with Quest with King, which is basically Lord of the Rings. Willow. <laughs> Willow, yeah. Willow. Uh, by the way, you really should watch American Graffiti. It's on my list in my morning row rewatches because I haven't seen it in a long time. But it's, it's, it is surprising that the all of the rest of what we talk about with Mr. Lucas is like sci-fi, fantasy, even the like video games, CGI, American Graffiti is like just a drama. You yeah, know, it's, it's just it's, yeah, it's, it's straight up drama. Yeah, uh, I love that you picked Willow. We've talked about it a bunch. I think we all it's know fun. that we that you and I love it. It's a good pick. Yeah. So, and that was, by the way, my second to last pong entry. So I'm down to one more uh, official. I, I'm going to throw some stuff in here. May twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three. Okay. I will only give you three words. Those three words are the deep note. Okay. And, uh, I completely blacked out on anything that you just said because I'm just thinking about uh, South Park. <laughs> when you said the deep note, I thought about the brown note and now I'm laughing to myself. So I have completely lost focus. So you're just going to have to tell me what this is. The deep note is the official name of, of the THX sound. The THX sound was going to be my guess. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. It, it debuted. So May 25th, 83, it debuted with Jedi. Oh, okay. It's gone through four iterations since. And who doesn't love hearing it? Oh. Like you could play it before a movie that wasn't actually in THX, which I know would be illegal. And I would just be happy. Like, yeah, I, there, there are a few, few like themes in movies I, that, that like are quick and short. It's, it, this is, this is one of them. Uh, it, to me, it's actually up there with, and it's not on my list because it doesn't quite fit as a Lucas thing, but I just did want to give a nod out to the, to, to that, the Fox fanfare. Like, when you hear the drum beat and the lion thing, like, there's no way, sorry, not the lion thing. When you see the drum beat and the searchlights going by, I was blending that with MGM. Um, right. I don't care what movie comes next. If I hear the, the Fox fanfare, I just assume the thing we're about to see is Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it, and it took adult me to realize that John Williams's score did not start with the Fox fanfare, and they were two different things. Right, but but to me, they're always belong together. And I, it was so disappointing that they were not used by the by the last uh, go around, which obviously makes sense. But it's it, it should have been there. And like between the Fox fanfare and THX, again, I got a little Lucas love going on. Yeah, hey, listen, I think that's great. Uh, I have two more, so I'll, I'll, I'll roll through them. One is November 24th, 1985. It has a 5.5 on IMDb. And the five words are, small door goes on adventure. Is it Labyrinth? <laughs> no, it's Ewoks, the battle for Endor, which I loved as a kid. And a wicked is a small door. And so the five words made me laugh. <laughs> uh, and uh, then the, the last one, my last one, which is actually like a real one, sort of. Um, is October 10th, 1980 with an 84%. And my five words are, thanks for the U.S. version. October 1980? Yeah, 1980. And it's not Empire. Nope. And it's not Indie. Nope. Uh, and it's nothing else on any of my lists, so you got me stumped. All right, what you got? So this is Kajimusha which was Kurosawa's film and he's the he he basically Tarantino'd this and brought it to the US when nobody else would. 
Ah, nice. This is a really, 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 really good move. I mean, it's Kurosawa, so of course it's not bad. But like a full-blown 84 is really, really good. And he literally sort of like just was like, yeah, we're just going to bring this to the U.S. And so he became a producer. All right. I'm going to give my what was got cut from Pong but belongs sort of in here as long as we're throwing things in is without clues because there's no way to do them. Basically straight up Star Wars spoofs. I think the spoofs of Star Wars are gifts that keep on giving, whether it's Spaceballs, yep. Robot Chicken Star Wars, which might be my favorite, uh, Family Guy Star Wars. That's which my is, favorite. Yeah, it's great. One I would doubt you have seen, but, you know, because it's so old. And I kind of want you to watch it because you'll just be confused. Um, it's called Hardware Wars. Hardware Wars, I'll try to give it a little description. Then I'm just going to leave it to the audience to trust me. Go watch this thing. You can find it, I think, on, on YouTube somewhere. It's Star Wars, but instead of like having a spaceship, it was like an iron. Like oh, wait. laundry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've seen this. I've seen this. And like a toaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen this. That's fun. So you got you to gotta check out the Hardware Wars. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. So the, the last, I just want to say one thing because I mentioned it earlier and I wasn't trying to like bury the lead. Um, I think I'm one of the only people that really liked The Last Jedi. So I'll, I, I'll just address that statement and then I want to hear, hear, hear what you say. I am one of these bizarro people. I think all three of the uh, sequel trilogy movies are three exceptionally good Star Wars movies. Uh, my only then comment is I think it's overall a terrible trilogy. They're great movies in a, in a complete mess of a trilogy. Interesting. Okay. So that's sort of a fun way to do that. Um, okay. I agree yeah. with you. I agree. It's a great movie. Yeah. I just think like, as again, maybe it's because that's, that's interesting. I, I want to think about that because like when I said the force awakens earlier, I said, it's not my favorite of the most recent ones, but because of what it's, what it meant like it was the reboot that we needed. It was like, it was okay. Star Wars is back now. And because Abrams did it the way he did it, I think he opened the door for Johnson to do what he did with the last Jedi. I think it opened the door for the Mandalorian It opened the door for Boba Fett. Like it, it was, it was what we deserved, right? Like that was what we deserved. And I think that movie's really good as far as like a, a standalone single tight story and nailing it though. I think the last Jedi is brilliant like i think it's really 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 good like really good <laughs> i i agree with one caveat it the the entire canto blight sequence needs to go it's too long it's too much it, it's too much of a sequence like i don't mind the casino planet and landing and having a quick little romp there but it's way too much it's way too big and then and it has it's guilty of some problems like finn makes a comment like well it will have been worth it if, if we save these creatures or, or whatever the thing was. I'm like, you're trying to save the whole freaking galaxy. Don't tell me that saving a bunch of squirrels was worth, like, that was not worth it. In fact, that's the definition of not worth it. Yeah, that's that, that's fair. I do think that's, I, I wouldn't get rid of the scene. I do think it could be trimmed for sure. And there is like, Fine. I mean, listen, every single Star Wars has some pretty hink. Like, there, there is no movie that is flawless in, in any of them. Agreed. Uh, the original is the closest because there wasn't enough room to be hinky because it was you were making it up as you went along. 
Um, and in fairness to the story writers in general, like this is a really hard series to keep track of because you introduce so much in everything that you, every time you drop anything, trailers included, to your point, there's 10 new species and there's new languages and there's just like other, like there's just a lot to keep track of. So like, you know, I think that's why a lot of us are, I think that's part of the reason that this franchise has always been given more credit, like more runway than a lot of other stuff does because like sure. Harry Potter, if there's any inconsistencies, you're like, you're an idiot because, because like that, that it's, it's one world, like it's a single world and it's pretty much wrapped up. This is like thousands of worlds that collide on a regular basis, seemingly without any of their friends with them to your point. Right. <laughs> I think I think it's a strong movie. It just it suffers from it had nothing to do with the movie that came before it, right? Like the the biggest the biggest mistake they made on the original on the sequel trilogy or the prequel trilogy was besides just generally letting George direct it was a lack of in, in independently good movies. There's lots of great scenes and the arc of the prequel trilogy is pretty decent. I've got some issues, but it, it's fine. You know the trade blockade, whatever, and some Anakin stuff, so whatever. But for the most, like, like the, that he didn't bring his mom along. Like, there's just there's just all these Jedi gambling and then cheating at gambling. Like, there's all these, like, individually moments that don't make sense. Whereas, But as a trilogy, it works as a basic narrative. Here, you exit one movie, enter a new movie. You still aren't developing your characters anymore. You're adding more characters. Like, as much as I love Lord Dern, the instead of what was her name holdo Hordo? holdo hodor no, hodor hodor <laughs> holdo that was her name admiral holdo holdo the purple hair lady lord dern yeah lord dern yeah lord dern yeah that character should unquestionably have been akbar you yes. you you make that tweak to this movie and it's akbar and he does the heroic sacrifice move and and then you trim out canto blight a little bit and maybe make Luke a little less insufferable, just a little. <laughs> and I think you've got something pretty darn interesting, right? Like, because yeah. because the the problem. But again, the whole trilogy sort of like like everything about Ray is like does does it matter or not matter? Like, does she is she a nobody or not a nobody or not a nobody? Sort of a nobody. Like, there's just no consistent through line where. Things set up in, in seven get paid off in nine. And because you took this detour to do movie eight, which, as you and I both feel, was a good movie. But yeah. just, yeah. That's a really uh, that's a really interesting perspective. I think that's probably fair. Thinking through it in real time, it doesn't feel, you're right. There isn't a through, like basically, they basically did Force Awakens to, re, like Force Awakens needed to happen the way it happened, I think, because they just needed to get it on the rails, right? Like they literally needed to start the train again. And then when they did, then when they did last Jedi, they sort of like just plopped you in the middle of that story all of a sudden. And they're like, this is the new story that happened already. Here we are now. And then the third, and then again, to your point, none of the, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's fun. That's a fun <laughs> theory. No, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because I, I've like had this conversation with people who like don't take these three seriously at all. I'm like, if you take each of them as a movie, not any one of them is bad. And I would right. argue The Last Jedi is really freaking good. <laughs> like it's a really well done movie. It, you could almost, you'd almost be better off being like, okay, so you had this original trilogy, a, a prequel trilogy, and then three more movies, right? Yes. Three, 
or like three more sequels on their own. Um, I think, I think the, the, you know, I could go on the length about this. I think the, the biggest problem is that, you know, JJ Abrams sort of had some training wheels by involving the old cast. Right. Johnson should have taken them off entirely. So Chewbacca should not have come back. Maybe Leah's orchestrating a few things. Having Luke show up in, in a Yoda-like role is good, but he had a little too much of that role and was, again, too insufferable. Yeah, uh, but it, this was the time to find out what makes Poe and Finn and Ray tick. All right. I don't even mind the, the Snoke, like killing off Snoke early. I had no real problem with that because he was not developed. Right. But then again, that's not paid off in nine. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's a good point. Fair enough. It's uh this is I, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you because I knew you'd have a fun take and I was right. And so I feel very vindicated right now. <laughs> all right, my friend. Uh, all right. So this went, I think, about as we expected it to. Although I got to say, this is probably the most creative I think you've been on a list in a long time. That was all, like I couldn't have picked any of those because I just didn't think that way. And that's really fun. Um, and speaking of really fun, Jeremy, this is our 49th top five. Which means we, I mean, we've, we've done like 70 plus of these, I think, in total. Yeah, yeah. We're at like, uh, I think it's 75 total episodes in the Lo-Fi Top 5 uh, podcast pantheon in our extended universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to do something special next week. So instead of picking a normal category, uh, Jeremy and I are going to pour through all of our notes and we're going to do our top five favorite individual picks to this point. So it's top five things from any of those 70 odd episodes with uh we'll, we'll obviously explain you know it was this movie in this episode or this thing and that thing but it's going to be a lot of fun how uh how deep do you think you're going to go on this buddy well i mean i think it goes without saying that clearly i'm going to bring up the airport episode and the grilling episode <laughs> the grilling you know some of those techniques i mean it's summertime now right practically so we, we might need to revisit <laughs> Oh, how far we've come, my friend. But uh, listen, please do leave us a review or don't, but definitely follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams and, and engage because we're trying to get you guys to like give us feedback about like what list you want to do. If you have favorite picks that we've done, you know, holler at your boys. Let us know. Uh, otherwise, uh, we're very excited. Thank you for coming on this ride to this point. We'll see you at episode 50 of the Lo-Fi Top 5. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars, don't let them end. Ah, Star Wars, if they should fire wars, please let these Star Wars stay. That nutty Star Wars bar Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah! Star Wars Those near 